This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Kiesi. In the Journal of Perinatology, there's a, there's a paper called The Imp- Impact of Early Tracheostomy on Neurodevelopmental Outcomes mm-hmm. uh, in Infants with Severe BPD uh, and Exposed to Postnatal Steroids. So it's, a very, it's always a hot topic when you talk about tracheostomy and, and, um, tracheostomy and uh, BPD because no one knows when we should be doing it and so on and so forth. Um, now, the management of severe BPD is uh, something that people have a lot of questions. The incidence of tracheostomy ranges between 2 to 37% uh, in babies who are uh, suffering from severe BPD. And what's, um, even, so what's even more interesting is when do we do the tracheostomy, early versus late? So this is um, a study that aimed to compare neurodevelopmental outcomes of preterm infants with severe BPD who received early or late tracheostomy, as well as those who did not receive a tracheostomy at all, focusing on the role of postnatal corticosteroid exposure. So this is a retrospective cohort study that analyzed uh, data from infants with severe BPD who underwent tracheostomy at level four, at level four NICU. Uh, the study uh, was divided. Uh, actually, I don't know if I mentioned the authors because I think that's important too. Uh, Ahmed Am- Amjad Taha, um, and this is coming from uh, Kansas City in the US. But what's interesting is that they divided them into three groups. Either you had no tracheostomy, or they looked at early versus late, and they defined early versus late based on the number of 122 days. And that was what was referenced as early versus late in prior studies, which there are very few of. Um, Their decision to place a tracheostomy is not evidence-based or anything. It's a consensus recommendation by the multidisciplinary team, so they're not following anything specific. And then they looked at barely three at two to three years of age. 137 infants were eligible, and they uh, 44 in the no tracheostomy group, 93 in the trach group, and then um, what they ended up doing is that after they applied exclusion criteria, they matched the babies, and they had 28 in the no tracheostomy group, 21 in the early trach, 22 in the late trach. Um, so, at 36 weeks postmenstrual age, most infants with early trach, most infants with early tracheostomy. 85%, half of the ones with late tra- tracheostomy, and a quarter of the ones who never really had a tracheostomy were actually on invasive mechanical ventilation, which I think is very interesting because if at 36 weeks you're still intubated, I'm kind of a pessimist about what the outcomes are for these babies. But you find out that um, 25% actually never ended up needing a trach. Um, now, in terms of neurodevelopmental outcome, I thought this was a retrospective study and that the kids who got the early trach were going to be biased towards poor outcomes. Because I'm like, if you trach them early, then they must be quite sick. And I was very surprised to see that the late tracheostomy group had lower total language median scores compared to the no trach or the early trach group. Similarly, the late trach group had significantly lower total cognitive median scores compared to no trach and early trach. And the late trach group had worse motor scores as well. And I'm like, this is fascinating because I thought the, the retrospective nature of the study was, I read and I was like, this is going to be a doozy. It's going to tell me that those kids who had like the early trach were sicker and they had horrible Baileys mm-hmm. and that was not the case. And then when they looked at the exposure to steroids, what was interesting and maybe is shining a bit of a light, I think that's what maybe the authors wanted to do on why this is happening. They found that the kids who received the late tracheostomy had the highest postnatal dexamethasone and cumulative hydrocortisone dose equivalent exposure 
mm. followed by the early trick group and then the no trick group. Um, the late tracheostomy group had the highest um, and the NT group and the no trick group, the lowest median cumulative postnatal corticosteroid dose in milligram of hydrocortisone equivalent. Um, and so maybe, maybe they get exposed to so much steroids and we still, I have a feel, I could see myself sometimes being hopeful that the kid who's going to get away with no trach still mm -hmm. doesn't get away with it. And maybe all the things that we do in between the time we could have potentially tricked them and they end up the actual trach itself could be harmful. Um, so I think this was a, a very, uh, a very interesting, uh, very interesting study. The conclusion are that in infants with severe BPD exposed to postnatal steroids, um, the ones who receive an early tracheostomy are is associated with better cognitive outcome and a trend towards improved language and motor outcomes compared to late tracheostomy, and that uh, the timing of trach in conjunction with corticosteroid exposure may have significant implication on neurodevelopmental outcomes. Obviously, it is still a retrospective study. Mm -hmm. The numbers are low, um, but anytime I see something related to trach and timing, I read because there's just not enough evidence. Well, I think this is terrifying. Is all I have to say about that because, you know, we've all had that case where you're like, I think the kid can do it. I really think the kid can do it. I know, right? This is like always and the same we thing. we just had to wait a little bit longer. And, you know, there's somebody in the group who's like, they probably just need one more round of steroids. And you're like, they probably don't need one more round of steroids if the other rounds of steroids didn't do the trick. You know, if you tell me, okay, weight gain, okay, fine, maturity, okay, but they probably don't need another round of steroids. That's one thing I think I'll take away, but... um. You know, we got to be pretty sure the kid's going to be able to do it or I that think, you have something yeah. new to offer. I think um, sometimes we get so uh, bogged down that we also interpret like an insignificant change as a yeah, major, like exactly. he was on 55% and he's now on 49% FIO2. And it's <laughs> like, right. yeah, this is, uh, you're far away from getting yeah, off no, the I, That's exactly right. And but maybe it's invest, steroids. But, but we invest so much in these babies. Yeah, the sure. slightest improvement is something we want to hold on with. with but life. I think too yeah. in the community, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I think people sometimes see trach as a failure, mm -hmm. and it's not a failure. It is the necessary mode to get some children home safely and mm -hmm. get them where they can get optimal development and nurturing by their families at home and not mm -hmm. with us mm -hmm. in the NICU. So. Okay, I just had two uh, quick ones. Uh, this one caught my eye. Daily skin-to-skin -skin contact alters microbiota development in healthy full-term infants. It's in so the just journal. Like, just like me, when I see trach and timing, I read. If there's skin-to-skin -skin somewhere, Daphne is going to be like, I'm reading this one. Thank you for listening to the Incubator Podcast. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast or the Apple Podcast website. You can find other episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcast app of your choice. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address, nikupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Instagram or Twitter at NICUPodcast, or through our website at www.the-incubator.org. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care professional. Thank you.